Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody that's right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the boat Hello and welcome to episode 215 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Jack Harper and Alex Jones. Plenty to get into today, the Super Bowl obviously being the big talking point. We've had uh, a lot of, well not a lot of Liverpool talk, but last week we literally did what was going wrong with Liverpool, so uh, things haven't improved in that situation, so I don't think too much uh, will have changed if we do that again, so we'll do a bit on Arsenal and Spurs, something else we've... uh, covered frequently but who's going to last longer out of Jose and Arteta a lot on officials rather than just talk about VAR we'll talk about the officials themselves as uh, another decision has been overturned today whether players have a right to be traded after Deshaun Watson is kicking up a stink in Texas and then the Super Bowl as I said so not a lot of news of the week this week but um I do actually have a full story to go into, so I'll save that for last and read it out. But first of all, airline pilots making in-flight errors say they're rusty because of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you want to hear, is it? <laughs> it does make sense when you consider how many flights they're used to flying. You know, imagine walking past your pilot on the way and then going, oh, I am feeling a rusty today. It has been a while. <laughs> you got to understand, I need a bit of match fitness, lads, so I'm working my way back. Yeah, I wouldn't usually miss that, but, you know, it's time off. Um, a monk and layman were caught gambling and drinking inside the temple. What, the uh, canteen in Goodfellas? <laughs> Tokyo Olympic Committee head... You- Yoshimo Mori says meetings with women drag on and he's tired of it. <laughs> he said that with some chest for this day, doesn't he? <laughs> um, police break up a legal drinking den with 10 people and two surprised sheep. <laughs> In Wales, by any chance? It may have been. I don't know why the sh- how they knew the sheep were surprised, <laughs> surprised yeah. either. Um, Tennessee man is shot and killed after a YouTube video prank goes wrong. Now, I did see this. Um, the kid like took what was like a fake knife or something, approached a gang of people for his YouTube channel to try and film it, and 
yeah, one of them pulled out a pistol and shot him about eight times in the chest. Like in in England, you can kind of get away with that, but in America, you are, that's a death wish. What well, over here, even them clowns like that, Jack Jones, whatever his name was, they all everyone's in on it. They tell people they're going to film it beforehand, and there's enough idiots out there that go along with it so they can create the videos. I, I see. I've actually got you bringing that up is a really good point because I've actually got a newfound respect for the guy who got shot because. Yeah, yeah, he was the most real, video. wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> eight staged videos. What he's done there is it's like the homeless one where if you're going to give the homeless person some money, then do it. That's a good thing to do. But if you're doing it just to film yourself doing it, like, it makes me sick. I hate those staged cunts. He's died for his art, fair play. Yeah, <laughs> he's, put, he's put his life on the line and they've taken it. Yeah, they, they interviewed um, the guy who shot him. He was like, how am I supposed to know it's fake? What, what, why would he even do that? Yeah. So that's really interesting, actually, because it's a fake knife. Could it still be self-defense? Is he, is he, is he in yeah, The charges have already, like, it's already done. Like, is he, did he get away with it? Or is he in yeah, they, he says they threatened, he, he thought his life was threatened, so that gives you the means to be able to defend yourself. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Superb. Um, man accused of groping EMT at the scene of Bronx fire was actually having a seizure DA says oh my word (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Um, (laughs) Michigan man killed by exploding cannon at baby shower tell me that was a gender reveal tell me he died with the gender reveal (laughs) it's a nothing Uh, Indian couple takes the plunge to marry underwater. Don't know how they do their vows there, unless they're maybe in the snorkels or something. Do you reckon he's getting out on a technicality? If you <laughs> look, look, we, we didn't swear anything. You didn't hear anything. <laughs> um, smuggler caught with nearly one thousand cacti strapped to his body. Okay. Don't know how he was keeping that under wraps, but there we go. Um, football fans to eat 20 million pounds of cheese during the Super Bowl, dairy farmers predict. Sounds about right. Americans do love their cheese. What was your snack lineup, Jack? My snack lineup? Yeah. No food after eight for me, pal. Get heartburn. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> We learn something new each week, and it's always something I wish I didn't know. (laughs) But I I get all my lasagnas out of the way before eight o'clock. That's what it is. TK, what did you uh, have? uh, What did I have? A few beers. Uh, Yeah, I've got a little party food lineup going on. Some chicken poppers, the uh, cocktail sausages. I basically put on a little spread for myself, really. (laughs) We know Alex would have been tucked up probably at 9.30, Alex, like your bedtime these days. Uh, I think I was uh, I was probably in bed asleep by about 10 on last night. Didn't have a lot left in me, I'm afraid. Street cred of the pods going down earlier. Jack can't eat <laughs> after 8 o'clock and Alex will be tucked up <laughs> by 10. Yeah, I'm in bed for sport. I'm in bed early for sporting reasons, lads. I can't. There's not a lot I can do. Um. And then I had a nice uh, Red Bull to kick things off, make sure I was nice and vibrant. And then, so, uh, 
Having the Red Bulls, what time did you have your Red Bull? Right on kickoff. So, are you not fucking wide awake until 7am this morning? No. I had the Red Bull, and then at half-time, I went and uh, got a uh, Haagen-Dazs vanilla out of the fridge and uh, chowed down on that. That's absolutely, absolutely alien to me, because if I have any caffeine after 4pm, I don't sleep. I literally I had like insomnia for ages when I was a kid, and I finally got my superpower sorted out. But, Is this real insomnia, or people no, who like no, stay genu- up until eleven, then can't sleep by twelve, and they go, "Christ, this insomnia." No, no, genuinely. So when I used to work at Curry's when I was like sixteen, I'd get so scared of oversleeping if I actually managed to get to sleep at like four or five a.m. that I would just work through sleepless nights. So I'd literally go weekends without sleeping. And then, um, yeah, it was fucking... But literally, I had to, like... It was just rustling around. I had to, like, cut all caffeine know. out of my diet. had to cut all sugary foods out of my diet after a certain time. It's crazy. And I've only just oh been able God. to get to God sleep. But so, yeah, yes. hearing someone having a Red Bull at 11.30 just literally fills me full of fear. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if I was going to sleep, but if I was going to sleep at one, maybe, then I might get it, but I slept at half four. Still, if I, if I had a Red Bull at half eleven... Jack's not sleeping for two days if he has literally, that. Literally, I'm up all night. He's having two litres of Red Bull, is he? <laughs> this is the most odd... That must have helped with yeah. Jack's emo look at nah. the time, though. The bags under his eyes <laughs> can help. <laughs> the the science... Look. Coming up the, with the, the science, uh, the, I'm, the, I'm afraid the science behind what Jack's saying checks out. Um, like if you yeah, have a caffeinated sure. drink, if you have a caffeinated drink, even at like 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, um, there's still a half life, pre- half life present of the caffeine in like sort of like 10, 11 o'clock at night is still present. So you're going to be really careful. If you're really serious about getting good quality sleep, you're sensitive there, then yeah. There you go. Yeah. There's your education. If you're having that, that, at 11 I, o'clock I, at night, then you're clearly not serious about having that good night's sleep. The point was to exactly. Byron yeah. has developed. Byron has developed immunity. You've got to understand. This yeah. is like I'm offering actually, Pete Doherty a dream, joint. There's not, not much point. I one. Uh, your your adrenal gland is just shriveled after all this, all these red balls. What do you yeah, say that, about Jack being an emo as, as well, uh, TK? You used to have that hair flick on points. <laughs> flick it back across. So did AJ, to be fair. <laughs> Even though he's full blinded in strainers there, but like, that, yeah, was, that, there we are. That's a different story. That was that such Bieber a error. That was such a weird phase because all the emo kids had fringes, right? And then all the chavs didn't. And then all of a sudden, year ten, year eleven hits, and everyone has the same fringe. Alex starts like, straightening yeah. his hair. Common myth that and common then myth. Blonde. No. What? I'm not saying Alex is vain, but I once walked an entire way home from school with him once where he walked side on because of the wind. So, <laughs> to make sure, make sure he, he, he literally walked the entire way home side on. Hold on, hold on a second. I'm pretty sure that I was the one who was, dem- was asked to go on ahead and take a famous shot of you, Sean, uh, Luke Neal, and uh, Lawrence Roberts all walking towards me with the football kit. We're naming names this week. I was gonna. Say, I thought he was about to say something compromising. Like, what were you asking to take photos of? No, no, no. We'll cut this bit. That's fine. That's fine. That's okay. There are worse pictures taken on that walk, as we know. Mm. 
Um, oh, and then the use of Uyghur. Moving swiftly on. Yeah. Um, oh, as we may have seen this week, insults and expletives turn parish council Zoom meeting into internet sensation. Oh, this is sensational, this. Honestly, it is the best thing. I couldn't find the whole video for this, so I've just seen I've a bit the of the link. bloke going mad. I've got it's the not link as you. entertaining once you've once you've seen that first clip. Right, okay, because everyone's going on obviously about Jackie, and Jackie hasn't really uh, been the Jenny hero of the piece in a bit I've seen. She's like in the limelight, isn't she? She's um, like all over it on Twitter, and she's proper milking it, which is exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. It's, Having it's, seen the meeting, I, I, I was siding with the guys at the start. I can see why why they were kicking off. <laughs> I'd have liked to have a little laugh. The one get kicked out for laughing along, and I think I'd have been that guy. <laughs> Having a spectator you, on the wa- sofa. If you if you watch the full the full video of the main highlights, uh, you, you're actually probably likely to be on Jackie's side. No, I did watch the whole thing, and I still wasn't on their side. You're really? with the vice chancellor. Whoever the blokes were that were rowing at the start, I was on. I was on that side. I could see why they were worked up. <laughs> I'm the vice chair. I'm in charge. <laughs> that is kind of what's going on in Boris' mind every time. So I'm in charge. You shut up, you. Sorry, that that first week, I realised I could mute people. It was like <laughs> a real power trip. You know, in, in the fellowship when Frodo puts the ring on for the first time and realises that he can go <laughs> invisible, it was about that. Um, Florida attorney disbarred for making porn film in jail. I don't know if it was he himself or he was lining up prisoners and uh, filming them, and, but he's been disbarred, so there we go. And then I do actually have an entire news story here, which I will read out to you. I know TK is having to work from home at the moment, so this may serve as a warning to him. Just <laughs> uh, get there. Okay. So this is in Australia. Um, it says, as coronavirus lockdown entered its fourth week, Maggie and James started getting creative with how they passed the time. The couple came up with a hilarious new game which involved slapping other person on random things. Whoever chooses the most random thing wins, which is why James needed to get Maggie back after she got him with a tampon one morning. This is from Reddit. Today I decided it was time for revenge. I got out of the shower, dried off and looked for her. I saw she was on a computer with headphones on. I snuck in from the side and boom. Dick slapped her square on the cheek. She never stood a chance. (laughs) <laughs> says, I stood there expectantly waiting for some sort of laugh or reaction but it's her laughter what Maggie said next shook James to his very core she turned around white in the face and just said I'm on a call <laughs> James immediately assumed she was joking but then he looked at the computer screen there he saw the blurry faces of several gobsmacked co-workers only one of whom he'd met in real life <laughs> sprinting out of the room James hid in the bathroom where he went straight to Reddit to ask for advice <laughs> says I'm scared I'm going to be reported for some kind of domestic abuse I don't even know how to explain to them the situation because it's so ridiculous I slapped my wife with my dong and now I'm going to have to leave the country <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I feel like once that the, the people know his story, he'll be pardoned. Well, it's uh, really all on the wife, isn't it? It's all on what she says. <laughs> I wonder what line of work she was in. Well, TK, I know there's two. Oh, she's not a teacher. I know there's two. Oh, my words. Primary school Jesus. I know there's two of you that uh, work at home sometimes, TK, so at least you've got that as to go off now. Make sure you don't make the same mistake. <laughs> I think serious questions are going to be asked if Neil Scott are doing it to each other. Christ alive. So, anyway, from. Uh, one dick to another. Jose Mourinho at Spurs <laughs> is the next topic of conversation. I, I'm um, not going to have that slander because you were twerking for him about this. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I was, Jack. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> and as I've said before, Unai Emery left me in a very weak position. <laughs> we all say things we regret. Hashtag twerk for Jose. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway probably would have been a bit better off if Spurs hadn't had the pleasure of playing West Brom at the weekend but this does go back to uh, Alex sent me some messages after the last time uh, Arsenal lost which happened to be twice in the past week um, and after Spurs lost to Chelsea the week Chelsea? It was Chelsea, yeah, wasn't it? Thursday yeah, Thursday. Yeah, Aspers lost to Chelsea in the week. Social media and the pundits alike did seem to ask the question is, are we seeing the same old Jose unfolding before our very eyes? Which usually means there isn't too long left. So the question here, who will last longer, Arteta at Arsenal or Jose at Spurs? I've got some stats here. Um, both been at their clubs reasonably similar amount of time. Jose, 71 matches played. Points per match average of 1.82. Arteta at Arsenal, 63 matches played. Points per match, 1.83. So literally nothing separates them. Mm. Um, Jose's average term as a coach is 1.89 years, which would suggest it doesn't have too much long left in this cycle. So if you're going to get time, isn't it? If you're going to get something out of it you would think it's going to be similar. Obviously, we don't know the case with Arteta as this is his first job in management. TK, if you had, as we always say, the figure changes, but 500 grand and you've got to put it on who will last longer at the club, Arteta at Arsenal, Jose at Spurs, where would your money be going? Tougher than I first thought, this question, but um, did you ask who's going first or who's staying longer? What was it? How did you phrase it? Who will last longer there? Who will last longer? I think Arteta will last longer. Uh, I think if they were going to bin him, it would have happened. I would After that Burnley game, I thought he was a goner. Uh, the fact that he survived that leads me to think, I don't think things are getting much worse at Arsenal than it was then. So I think he's kind of got, he's going to have a run at this. Whereas Jose, at some point, we know the time bomb goes off. There's, there's rumours this week that he's getting an extended contract. What, Jose? No, Arteta. Arteta, yeah. So yeah, I think they've weathered the storm in terms of. We are still. Let's face, face it, the fans were discontent, weren't they? The fa- a lot of fans are. There's still are a lot of fans head. that are kind of split. To be fair. Yeah, but it's in terms of it was sort of a fever pitch, wasn't it? Around yeah, the time yeah, of that yeah. Burnley game, yeah. it was really like, look, he's got to go, um, and probably a great time for fans not to be in the stadium at that point, from his point of view. Um, 
Whereas obviously it's died down a bit now, so I th- I think he'll survive. On the flip side, I think Tottenham are obviously going to run with Jose. I think they had a like you said a great time to play West Brom because I think results were sliding. But I think unless he is really really bad, they're riding out at least until the League Cup final because they think he can deliver that to us. So and if he does that, then he's probably got plenty of time on his side. But I think he'll be gone before our turn. I think it's funny with Jose, isn't it? Because you would think that he's been in this position plenty of times before and his brand of football is literally what is causing the, the calls for him to go. Because yeah. the results, you can kind of make a piece of If you're playing decent football, you're working towards a goal on how you want it to play, then the fans will back you, probably, and especially with the manager with a stock like Jose. But when... The cause of the concern is the style of football of what you're playing. That is where the issue lies. And it's dreadful. Like I've never seen a team be so passive towards us. Sheffield United gave us a bigger gave us more of a game on Sunday than Spurs mm. did on Thursday. Yeah. Um and like the players that Spurs have, it's just insane that he's playing that way. Um It was a rough watch that it, Spurs it, game crying. And it, it is funny as well because when Lasalso and was it Lasalso and who came on instead of Bale? It was Lamella. Lamella, that was it. When he came on, they looked like a different team. They actually had us worried for about ten minutes, which would you have thought that if he just played like that, at least from the start of the second half, even in the first half, that game would have been a completely different game. Mm. Patronising to Jose, they had us worried for ten minutes. <laughs> Well, that that's what that's why it's so amazing because they did, and it was only ten minutes. But I just I can't see how that improves because we know Harry Kane gets injured every single season. So to build a team around Kane, you should be building a team around someone a bit more reliable, I think, and then hoping that he like complements the system because if you take out Harry Kane out of that team, what you get is exactly what you get on Thursday, where the managers get too scared to do anything because they haven't got Harry Kane up front. And the next four games are Everton away, City away, Wolfsburg away, West Ham away. That could get really, really tasty for Spurs. Like, but again, though, you'd, you'd probably back him to be Wolfsburg, and then you're going to be saying, "Well, he might win. He might win his Europa League. He might win his DFA Cup alongside the, you know, the um, the League mm. Cup." So there's that constant thing with him that, and he certainly got this over the over Spurs as club and over the fans is that, well, look at my record and look at yours. Yeah. And whenever if it's in doubt, he falls back on that. You see him saying, "I mean," and this was really thrown a hail mary from his point of view already when he said about. They're asking about their worst run of form since 2012. And he's going, well, when was the last time he won a league title? 61. Well, maybe I can deliver one. Well, we ain't seen any evidence of that currently. <laughs> yeah. Well, but we did. Going, well, we, look, we, they were title contenders up. with Chelsea. That's why I said it at the minute, because at the start of the season, I, I thought they did look the part. Um, and it showed that they do have the talent there, I think. Um, but the fact that he's having to basically, every so often, fall back on his own record and say, well, what Spurs done in recent years, kind of shows you that... Um, his confidence isn't really there. He's getting a bit paranoid already. 
I do think as a as a league side, he's shown more improvement in what they're offering than what Arteta's done with us currently in the league, at least. Um, but if you if you swapped managers, like so, you gave Arteta the Spurs squad, and you gave Mourinho this the um, Arsenal squad. Who gets who gets more out of the, that squad? Who works better? I guess we'd find out if Arteta really is a defensive manager, wouldn't we? If he's got yeah. Kane and Son, we'd have an yeah. idea. But with Arteta as well, I suppose you have got the Premier League's top goal scorer for like the last two seasons. Could you imagine Jose with an Arsenal team? He'd be he's, killing some of them. He's hounded Deli Ali. Imagine what he'd do to some the, of the Arsenal. He's got. He's 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 had the Premier League's top two scorer the the last last season as well. Aubameyang scored Kane last season. Yeah, it's a good point. Aubameyang's form has somewhat deserted him this year, hasn't it? So it's a tricky one to ban, to judge Arteta on, on that. Form. I mean, yeah, that's that's a whole other story. It's been <laughs> he's been horrific. Yeah, and I can't blame the manager for that really. So I so I so I think the situation with Jose at Spurs there is a, there is something a little bit different with him being at Spurs than with him being at Chelsea and United in the respect that. I think there's he's got a lot more people wrapped around his finger and we're talking about the right kind of people if he wants a better amount of control in terms of Daniel Levy definitely has stars in his eyes when he talks to him. Yes. He hasn't yes. got he hasn't got the he hasn't got that you know, he's not contending with a Sir Alex Ferguson in the background or well, we just know what it's like at Chelsea. Yeah. Um and you've also got to like think as well, you know, for all of the I can't see top the Tottenham fan base being so aggressively out for blood with him than the, compared with the likes of Chelsea fans or United fans. I've seen um, some in the last and, in the last week or so. Yeah, there is, but that that can diminish as soon as they realise that they're in a cup final. And if he carries on like we've said, carrying in the same direction in the FA Cup and the Europa League, and it's it, it's a very tricky one. I think. I, I'm inclined to ing- agree with uh, you, the guys so far have gone for Arteta or last longer because it, it is true. I think Jose Mourinho's style of how he runs with the team is it's not a, it's no it's never a project. It's never it's never a, a development. He goes in, he tries to get the best out of them, he tries to get his results, and then that's it. It's over. There's, there is no Plan B. Where I think Arteta can will is a sort of manager that will continue continually try and adapt. The only thing I will say though is that Mourinho is, like I've said, in a stronger position at Tottenham than he has been when he's at Chelsea United. Arteta, though, <coughs> it can quite easily disappear. Like I know they've been on a well, I say they've been on a better run. They've lost their last two games back to back and if we went on another two games now where Arsenal failed to get results again, then Arteta's head's on the chopping block again. So it's it's not as clear Arteta cut. probably holds more power at Arsenal objectively than Jose does by the fact that... Well, I disagree they, there. Well, I, I disagree. I'm about to explain that they, they abolished the system around. Arteta doesn't have anyone to answer to. Mm. He, he is... At, above Arteta, there's the owners who are very hands-off but him and Edu now are on level footing. And yeah, but for I, anything I would... that happens bad for Arteta reflects badly on Edu as well, which is probably why he survived the lull. 
I, I think you've got to consider though the the actual players themselves here, and I think Mourinho has a better con- amount of control and respect from his players than Arteta does with his. I mean, even though it's been bad for Tottenham in the last few games, there hasn't exactly been a revolt in the players that's been remotely obvious. I mean, well, even you know, we, I, we've just been dropped. We yeah, but you, there's no, there hasn't been a revolt as a sort. There's no like talk of dissent in the change rooms. Uh, you know, a civil war against Arteta, which, uh, civil war against Mourinho, like there was when Arsenal were at their worst. There's been none of that whatsoever. They've um, been got rid of those players. Yeah, mm. in fact, it's more it's more along the lines of the players have been going at each other's throats rather than Mourinho. Which oh, no, sometimes Mourinho, Mourinho kind of played towards that in the documentary in terms of he kind of encouraged that, encouraged the players to question each other. Um, so it, I, I mean, we should it, they missed a lot out in that documentary that mm, would have painted yeah. Jose in a worse light. But at, at the moment, when you look at the when you look at the bare bones of it, um, without thinking too much about Jose Mourinho's track record with how long he lasts at clubs, because. I think the clubs that he has been at in his career for the last century have been are, are bigger clubs than Tottenham. Bigger budgets, bigger names, bigger egos, bigger money, bigger power up top. So he's never been he hasn't been in this kind of position before where he's almost a bit more of a level playing field. Um I think when you look at the bare face of it so far this season, he's delivering. He's got us in a cup final. He can deliver a cup. That's your number one target as a Tottenham fan and a Tottenham player right now. Get yourself a cup. Like, 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 like any, <laughs> like, like any, any cup at all. Any cup win, and he's ticking a box. He's in a cup final. So even if we, even if we lost against West Brom at the weekend, I still think he's untouchable until that final. And it, in a way, it's almost in his favour that the cup, the the league cup final, is later than normally is. Yeah, well, yeah, agreed. Um, and then when you look at it for Arteta, I mean, well, he's not challenging for any of the. He's not challenging for the FA Cup. He's not challenging for, challenging for the League Cup. He is in the Europa League still, so there is that. Um, but he's not challenging for anything in the Premier League in top four. He's in, won a cup. Yes, that, he's Plus challenging, yeah, but we're, t- we're talking about present. We're talking about... It yeah, doesn't, and that affects the present. That's yeah, but money we find it... It wasn't yeah, money in the bank it. a few yeah, years ago, was it? Hold on. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything when the results, you were in a bad shape as you were. And, and they still didn't and you, bother. They, hey, if, hey, you, if, you, if, it, if it wasn't, if, it were, if, if the cup's in his favour, then why did you say Arteta out? I'm not the P- I'm not the one who taxed him. Yeah, but you said Arteta out. Yeah, and I, I think he should have gone so, after you, that run yeah, of form. So your point about your point about him winning a cup in the past is kind of contradicting that. You're, no, it's, you, not. You're... it's not because I'm not the one that makes the decision whether to sack him or keep him. That's clearly money in the bank with the Arsenal board. Because they clearly feel this is what he's showing yeah, that but, he can do yeah, with half a yeah, season. But the conversation, yeah, but the conversation, the conversation is about where, who's going to last longer. And I'm saying yeah. that the fact that Arteta won a cup last season isn't as vital in him being a future prospect as you would, th- as as you as you're claiming it is. That's my point. Well, I'm saying I mean, that like, we were 15th <laughs> in the league. They said the journalist said. They weren't going to consider him being released from his job until we were in the relegation zone. Mm. <laughs> that, so, see, do you that, not think that, that's, that's a safer that. position? 
That no, that that when you when he's spinning it like that, yes, I think that's a stupid way of going about it. But then again, we've seen well, how quite literally, quite literally, the question is who's going to last longer. And I'm saying they weren't going to sack Arteta until he was in the relegation. No, but I think he says it's a stupid way to run the club. Oh, absolutely, not. absolutely. But but that is we the problem we're working with. Wage club a run. Yeah. Arsenal would be right at the bottom of that. I I, I I think look, like I said, I, I my my view on it is, is that Arteta will last longer. But my argument would be that it is nowhere near as clear cut as Jose Mourinho's track record would suggest. I think when you look at the finer details, it is very, very close. And right now, even though you've lost two games back to back, even though that it still kind of feels like Tottenham on the back foot with it. If you're when you're comparing at the moment, Arsenal are improving and Tottenham are degrading a little bit. But you know, we could have this same conversation again in two months, and it could be completely on the other foot again. You just, mm, you know, if we, yeah. we we wouldn't have dared have this conversation uh, a month and a half ago. So well, I think the manner of the losses has helped Arteta in the last two games, as ridiculous as that is, because it's still a loss yeah. to uh, Wolves yeah. and Aston Villa, yeah. but. They were actually playing football in those games, and yeah. the losses before to Burnley and such, they were barely a shot on target. We're going to get yeah, to officials later, which you can blame for the Wolves one. The the Villa one was just like you give, I, it, you I give a team is, a head start, and that's that, that's what happens. I I think I think there is some obvious obvious errors in Mourinho's judgment. In terms of how he's, you know, trying to rectify Kane. I mean, I, it was everybody shocked when Kane returned at the weekend, but we've been there before. Um, Peds, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, but I think there is some glaring, obvious tactical errors which he could potentially try and rectify. Um, which yeah, is, you like know, Jack said, this happened all I, the time before, and he hasn't rectified it. It's not like he hasn't been in this position before. Well, there was yeah, a tweet, wasn't my, there, my, saying my, my, my people point, are trying but, to act like it's different with Jose this time around when. Is no, literally no. the exact same. Yeah. No, it's not. And it, and it how many actually, times does the bloke have to it, cheat on you before you think actually I yeah. don't think he's going to change it? And it's actually more it's actually more clear cut that he's not doing anything about it because we've seen that there is a replacement for Kane in terms of Son can still be very useful when Kane's injured. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's so it's it's definitely you can definitely survive without Kane. Um, you know, but he's doing nothing to rectify it. And the obvious solution for that is at the moment, because he was so reliant on Kane bringing Son into the fold in the way that the, he set up the team, there's just no creative outlet um, for Kane, uh, for Son uh, to be able to brought back in the game. I mean, Bergwijn and Son against Chelsea and Liverpool look non-existent. Bergwijn's you know, it's, a disgrace. He <laughs> just, they, I, I wasn't even aware they were on the pitch. I, I say that, I didn't even see uh, Vinicius on... Um, on uh, on uh, on the pitch at all, you know, against Chelsea, I was like wondering what the yeah. hell's going on here. But do you not think as well when Arsenal um, were in that particularly bad run of run of form, the way the managers handle themselves is a determining factor as to how long they're going to last? Because as we've seen before, and we saw a couple of instances last week, if Jose comes down, he, he's going down with the ship. Whereas. <laughs> Arteta is very much look. It's, it's, it's my fault if if that's what has to happen. That's what has to happen. I'm aware of how football works. Whereas Jose and some of his comments, I don't know. There's one to that woman where they said, uh, "Why didn't you bring bail on?" He was like, "Well, there is an answer to that, but you don't deserve to know it." <laughs> Just ridiculous <laughs> things like that. 
You know when he this starts... is all just hallmarks of what he does yes, when it's going yeah. wrong. But yeah, this is like the three horsemen of the apocalypse, isn't it? It's all harbingers of you know what's going to come next. Yeah. I've never heard the word harbinger <laughs> from he, he, Jack Harbinger. He, he... <laughs> what what what's bad? What, Mourinho at his worst is when he feels like he's got to protect himself and he's no longer part of the like it's it's no the longer knife comes of, out for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he when he feel when he Mourinho out to protect himself is a dangerous Mourinho is a dangerous Mourinho. It's like a tiger backed into a yeah, corner. Yeah. It will lash out. Somebody call an ambulance he, meme, but not for me. <laughs> he does this all the time though, and it's it's like the siege mentality, isn't it? When it all when he starts getting criticism, when they say that, oh, he's not got long left, he's playing dreadful football, it's like that Seymour Skinner meme where it's, maybe I'm, am I playing outdated football and that's why everyone hates me? No, it's the pundits that are wrong. And it's <laughs> it's as, simply, as simple as that. He's just so stuck in his way. I just, you would have thought after the second term at Chelsea, he would have changed things a little bit. There was, yeah. there was an article on The Athletic about... Um, how he ended up getting the Spurs job. And they say that, as you would, when you appoint Jose, you're, you're quite aware, and I know TK pointed this out on the night that it happens, you're taking your club in a very different direction because it is very much for the here and now. And um, they say that Levy was obviously having to weigh that up. And if you look, I think it was um, the Thursday before it happened, um, Jose attended the Arsenal game, the Arsenal Europa League game that week. And everyone at the club said, look, this, this is nothing to do with us. He's, he's not here for the Arsenal job. He's not doing any media work. And they said Jose literally attended that game, made sure that obviously people knew he was there. Just to kind of give Levy that little kick, like, are you sure you want to play this game with me? Are you, are you sure you don't want to take this chance? And two days later, he's, he, he gets the call and they put the plan in place for him to get the job. That is brilliant. Peak Jose. It's funny, isn't it? Because when he does stuff like that and it comes off and he looks good, everyone lauds him. Oh, this mastermind. What a genius this guy is. And then when he plays like five midfielders and no strikers and it obviously doesn't work, that's when he gets lambasted. And it's Him leaving Chelsea in the boot of a car is so symbolic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What, what, who are you? Who would you say, Jack? Who do you think is going to last longer? I think Arteta for the reasons that you said. Because realistically, I think Levy they don't have much many ties with Mourinho. It's not a case of they could go and find someone better um, who will play more expensive football. Whereas Arteta at the moment, with the constraints you have over transfers and this weird system that you have of bringing in overage players on big contracts. Um, and Arteta seems to be a bit of a yes-man in that sense, that he understands he hasn't got a lot to work with. Do you know he called William and he said, oh, you, I need you as part of my team that's going to win the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. Within three years. That, 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 is, that is quite an obvious clash, like a, a, an expiry date, when Mourinho comes to ask for money from Daniel Levy and it goes against everything in his DNA. To, to sign the players that Marie, the sort of players that Mourinho wants that is going to be their end of relationship I think it's point. going to be the Ayatore it's going to, he's going to forget his birthday and that's going to be the turning point <laughs> I've got such vivid 
images in my mind of Spurs appointing Eddie Howe as the Mourinho successor as well. <laughs> yeah, you could see it, could you? Just before we move on, 131 million spent so far by Jose Mourinho at Spurs, um, 90 million spent by Arteta. Regardless of how they both feel, the boards are going to feel as if they've backed them, whereas I think they both quite clearly could have done with more than what they have been given. And it's all these things where they think they're doing a favour to the other one where ultimately it is going to come to. And I wouldn't say Arteta's a a yes man. I think that's probably part of the reason he's got the job. They've, They've ousted some quite senior figures when you look up at, on who like Ralston, yeah he is and those kind of people but certainly Jose is going to come public with it more than Arteta is and embarrassing yes, Levy is probably the worst thing you can do I think yes man was probably a bit too strong a term maybe he toes the line better than Jose will it's kind of plays the grit, game he'll grit his teeth and bear having no money whereas Jose will explode and he'll make it very <laughs> He'll make it very public that he wasn't backed. That's the way he does things. Like, oh, well, I wanted this player, but I didn't get him. It's like United when he spent like 90 million on Pogba. And he's like, well, I wanted this guy as well. And I just didn't get him. And that's the reason yeah. why we're in this mess. I mean, he's getting less sympathy at United than he is at Spurs. That's for sure. That is with true. with um, our owners, so you've got Stan Kroenke and Josh Kroenke, um, who looks like the most American rich guy you could ever find, by the way. Mm-hmm. he seems to be a lot more involved he goes to the games um, he goes to the training sessions and that kind of thing and he seems to be a lot more involved and as dark as it is I've seen some Arsenal players say look when Big Stan bites the dust Josh Kroenke's going full roaming on Arsenal we're <laughs> <laughs> so, just Roman waiting out stars yeah you cry about Roman Abramovich all the time but then every every fan does. It. We can complain until it happens yeah. to you, and then maybe and then we'll be the same. Every fan, will, every fan will take the money to have a decent squad, and you know it. Yeah, I mean, you also celebrated um, how ruthless you were with managers until a few weeks ago. So I mean, we all we all do these things. <laughs> if we move on then to more football talk, and we had some big refereeing cases in the past week. Most notably, the Thomas uh, Sochek one against Fulham, where he tries to kind of push Mitrovic's arms away from him as he tries to hold him. Elbow comes across his face. 20 views of the VAR later, and he's sent off. Um, Now, it shouldn't be underestimated how big it is that they've since overturned that. It wasn't a long, drawn-out process, it seems very quickly they were embarrassed into saying right yeah that's that that's stupid as everyone watching pointed out but this is twice in the last week now that Mike Dean has had a decision that he's used VAR for it's then gone to whoever these uh, people are that review it later and it's been overturned I don't know how in the world of VAR it makes sense to even have this review process because that's literally the point of the VAR (laughs) but it's alarming that he's watched these decisions so many times and still come to the same conclusion 
and we've been moaning about referees probably even more so since VAR came in. For sure. And it just seems to have come to a head in the past week. You had the David Luiz one against Wolves, which most people watching could see was a ridiculous red card. And more so that we don't seem to know the rules as to how to judge it by. So you think maybe do the referees, do they feel in the same position? Um, the big question here, is this the worst referees have ever been? Because it certainly feels that way. I think it is, definitely. I think if you look at the Liverpool game as well, where is it Ruben Diaz gives away, I say gives away in inverted commas, um, the penalty from Mo Salah. Of all the um, decisions... So this is the one you started with. No, the reason no the reason why I'm starting with it is because you can compare it quite literally to the David Luiz one against Wolves, where okay, he's gone for the penalty decision. Um, it, I feel it was a really soft penalty; could have <laughs> been waved away. But if he's gone for the penalty, then he needs to red card him because he hasn't made an attempt for the ball. Um, so he did neither of those things. He booked him and then gave the penalty. So he knew it wasn't a penalty, but he just kind of stuck by his guns. And that's the problem we've got. We've got so many differences of opinions and nothing seems to make sense at the moment. Like the Arsenal one with the David Louise one where he got sent off. I loved it as a rival fan. Absolutely hilarious. But it's if that happens to me, I'm knocking down the doors of the FA on Twitter. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. Who would be a ref at the moment? I think as well, the standard of refereeing. Back in the day, we had, for all the jokes about him being a United fan, we had Howard Webb, Mark Clattenburg, decent refs that, yes, they'd get stuff wrong, but most of the time they got it right. Now... Yeah, that cloud Mike Riley reffing then as well. Yeah, but it's now... Every single game, there seems to be something. If not every game, every weekend, there is a big controversial decision. We're one of the only countries to have professional refs. I know. This is what I don't understand. Because, <laughs> funny enough, I was on a works Christmas party um, at St George's Park in Burton-on-Trent when I worked for a brewery up there. And we walked into the, like, the entrance bit at St George's Park after doing an activity. And there's just all these Premier League refs sat around. So there's like Kevin Friend, Mark Clattenburg, all sat around drinking coffee in this bit next to us. <laughs> and it was like, they've got the facilities. They've got their own offices. They've got their own training pitches at St. George's Park. They've got all their own conference rooms. They're there every week doing like training and kind of referee fitness trainings and analysing games through their, in the conference rooms. So the fact that we're not the best in the world of referees, in fact, we're probably one of the worst in my eyes. We are the worst. Yeah. I, w- I will say with this, it? I will say, for all our officials are horrendous, and it was a horrendous weekend, we say that we are the worst officials in the world purely out of ignorance because none of us are watching games all over the world going, that is right, I'm going to keep it's, an eye it's reflected, the though. When you look at the Champions League and you look at European tournaments, no English officials are being selected. The only thing that worries me is to put the rules differently. But give me, give me a sec. How many times do you watch a European game, a Champions League game, and you think, 
the rest are fucking clueless here. Now, it's gone a lot different. It used to be that we would watch a European game and think, God, these refs are soft as shit, aren't they? And ours are just as bad now. But I ain't watching Champions League games going, oh, these refs are fantastic. So no, but that's, in general, they're bad. That's not that's not what you want from a ref. You want a ref. You want but to you not think notice. about the ref full start. That's but it's not, it's not like that, is it? I am watching Champions League games going, these refs are shit as well. Just that I don't know the name because we see Mike Dean every week, unfortunately, yeah, for our that, sins. I mean, you make a good point. I mean, the ones that stick out in my mind is Vidal's red card against Real Madrid when he's playing for Bayern. I don't think I've heard Jack complain about European refs before. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would probably be a perfect case in point, wouldn't it? I I just think uh, we're being very classically uh, classically English in doing this. I don't know, a little bit spoiled brats about it. We're a little bit like, we deserve the best. Maybe we do. I, I, I think, like, the comparables, though, when we compare referees now to referees five, six, seven years ago in the 2010s, they're worse, but there's more controversial decisions being looked at under a microscope because they keep happening. Whereas back in the days of Plattenberg, where all of these decent refs that just did their jobs, I do think there's a little bit of nostalgia there. I don't yeah, think maybe we were Derby saying as well. I don't I, think we were saying I, it at the time, but I, I do I, think I, the I VAR has meant the standards reduced as well because I, I think they think, well, I can get away with it because I've got a VAR here. And then it just means they get it doubly wrong, in fact, rather than this, helping this is, them out. This is the worry. This is why... The reason why I'm saying it is because the investment... St George's Park has only been there for, like, the last five years, since 2014, 2015-ish. Um, so all of this investment to make refs and the FA better, to make the England national team better isn't working for the referees which is really frustrating to seeing that they're actually being supported and I know that we're being ignorant in the sense that we may not watch every single game abroad but I know for a fact that our refs have more investment um, yeah. than anywhere else in the world so it's not a case of oh they should we're all just the same it's the fact they should be elite they should be so much better than they are with the level of investment the facilities and just everything they have at their disposal in this country. TK was a Phil Dowd man. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, don't know. I can't remember what Phil Dowd looked like. <laughs> I've, I've actually learned that Jeff Winters has got his own website and sells his own merch. And what he, an awful bloke. <laughs> and he fully got on board with the winter is coming, getting the thrones. It's just a photo of him. I can be a very Winters yeah, <laughs> the only one I usually feel safe with is is Michael Oliver, and he's not immune to having his uh, his bad day. No, they they, they are dreadful, and I do say it's somewhat tongue in cheek. The I was saying we've got the worst officials in the world. I do I do just find it probably is true, but we're all just saying like it's fact. Like, no, like, I just know by the, the <laughs> see it online. It's like this is incredible. <laughs> I think just like I said though, I think. We have a right to say they're the worst in the world because if they're the same as every other ref with all this investment, if you it's give all the other ref the same Adam, investment, yeah, we they should be better. Um, yeah, for sure. But like, as much as I hate European refs for the softness side of things, and whenever you play in Europe, especially against Spanish teams, they're falling all over the floor. And I remember we played Sevilla, and it was just I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> um, and Valencia the year before, but. 
the rest of it is kind of okay. At least they're consistent in being softer. Exactly. That's the thing. It's the consistency side of it. Whereas in England, it's a really odd one. You can get sent off for the intent. But then there was a tackle yesterday where I think it was in the um, Chelsea game. And I think it was Bogle came across, got the ball, but then followed through it like (laughs) shin height. Like, I think it was on Kovacic. And the VIR looked at it. It's like, well, I wasn't expecting a red, but in this day and age, you don't know what to expect. But I've seen them given for just the intent. So where are we drawing the line? I think it's, as well in the Chelsea game where the ref didn't, I think, was it Kevin Friend? Didn't give a penalty um, for the Werner penalty, which is, again is understandable. But I think the one that we've really got to focus on is obviously the Mike Dean Suchet Red Cup because that was just outrageous. Well, the point with that that one is, um, and it does does seem off off the back of Jack there that we're both just complaining about calls that haven't gone for our respective teams, which does seem to be the case when usually criticising refs. But you had the same people in the VAR booth um, for the Southchet one as you had for Arsenal Liverpool at the start of the season, where Manny elbows Tierney with much more intent, much more force. And that one was just waved on. So if it was going to be a case of contact sport, these things happen play on. But it seems to be on a case-by-case basis. There's literally no foundation as to how they're making the decisions, whether there's a checklist of, is it this, is it that, is it this? It's just in the moment, what are, what are we feeling like today? Yeah. Well, well that yeah. one's actually because um, there's a conspiracy that they want uh, Liverpool to win the league now. I don't know if you saw online. It's not going so well, but on that one, that's what <laughs> they that's tried what it yesterday, about. didn't they? <laughs> now, for example, like I thought this was the one example from the weekend where I thought we're in a tricky spot with the refs because, and I thought it was a probably bad example for us to bring it up when you think we've had countless obvious ones. On this, I didn't think that was a penalty at all. I thought it was a pretty clear dive from Salah, to be honest. But then online, you've got some people saying, "Well, it's soft," but then if you're going to give it, he has to be red carded. I know people saying it's a total dive. So in that respect, the officials are somewhat tied. Someone's going to be upset on this. But you're absolutely right with the, the story check one, for example. If It's weird that you can't get it right in the first place, but how many replays do you need to work out that that isn't a red card? And going back with the with the David Luiz one, the rest were undermining themselves, and it looked like that was a, a good rule that had been brought in, whereby Wolves get a penalty because whether it's happened or not, he he has been impeded, so they should be rewarded with a penalty. But a red card does seem too harsh a punishment. So it seems like, right, this is a good rule that they've introduced. And they've just completely gone against it. And, <laughs> then, and then they're not rescinding it when, on the same week that they rescinded the Bednarat one, because they realised a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Then you kind of, it's so obvious that you're just guessing and you don't know what you're doing. I, I do think it's funny as well. It, it, that affected a game that cost Arsenal three points, because... I was yeah, watching the best we played all season. <laughs> yeah, and Wolves would look shite, and yeah, they, Arsenal they, looked they like they were all Even over. Even against nine building. men, they were dreadful. Mm. And they still needed a worldie from Matinho to get the, the goal there. The yeah. Louise one in, in particular, because the rules brought in obviously the season before, and the year before when we played Chelsea, the game where Martinelli won us the 2-2, <laughs> Louise was sent off for making an attempt at the ball, getting it wrong, <laughs> And taking the player down, and he was sent off for that. So 
there's literally three instances there where you've got the same thing happening and you've got different outcomes for all of them. So it, it really doesn't make any I mean, sense at all. Are... I do think just just quick, I do think the one where so I agree with TK saying some people are saying it's not a pen, then in the same breath saying it's a red card. I think that only literally happened because such a thing was made about the ruling and the David Louise one where it was like, if you don't make an attempt at the ball and it's a penalty, then it's a red card. Yes. So yes. That was just literally, I don't think even myself who I tweeted immediately saying, why is that not a red card then? I didn't want a red card for it. It was just, it, the inconsistency. We don't even know what we're watching here. For sure, yeah, yeah. But I, and I also think that when the official wasn't won't give a red card for that, that's an indication he knows this is a very soft penalty that I'm given here. Which I, you know, the argument is, I guess, if you think it's soft, then don't give the fucking penalty. If you think it's a dive, it's a dive. On, I do find that for one weekend, what they should do is just when COVID's over and the pubs are full, just fire a few tranquilizer darts into a pub. <laughs> Drag out three people, stick them in a var boot, and just see how they get on. Because it might actually be better. I thought we could possibly volunteer. We have to tranquilize no. on a dragon. <laughs> it's, it's like a Darren Brown experiment where they wake up in full referees. <laughs> well, Honestly, after listening to the the movie the movie Madness podcast, um, the you feel like you've been <laughs> tranquilized. I no no no. Just like see that 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 chain of behaviour that's going to be used to in Jack's trial at later life is just it, it, that train of that that consistency with the tools being used in the uh, from B and Q uh, and now tranquilizers and stuff. There's always something going on. There's a worrying trend. Be, uh, <laughs> there is a worrying trend there. Do you think maybe as stupid as it is, because you're in the bar, bar booth, you feel you need to use it? I, I don't know if that's stupid. Is it just when the when the decision's there, they are quite literally. We had the one yesterday, didn't they? They were desperate to get the lines to draw right. Where literally, quite literally, the eye test was like, yeah, his foot is visibly offside. And they started doing things, haven't they? Where they're measuring like the depth perception to see whether if if the foot was to then be placed down, whether it would be offside and all things like this. See, I saw this example used. I think it was either in the Italian, I think it was in the Italian league, actually. And to check an offside in a build-up to a goal, instead of drawing these lines, the ref goes to the monitor and gives it the eye test. And I think that's better because... America's good as well. We, um, in this country, it's, it's, it's weird because... When linesmen used to get it wrong, you used to go, oh, well, it's part of the game. It's really fucking annoying. It shouldn't have been a goal. But there wasn't this kind of, we're calling for assistant referees' heads every weekend. It was just, you lie, I know you fucking prick, and you kind of get on with it as part of the game. Whereas because of the technology that's been brought in, we feel like we have to have a perfect result every time. And then when you get a perfect result, you hate it. The issue so is a lot of them aren't even perfect still after they've drawn lines. Yeah, well that that's yeah, that's another problem. But there's been loads of um, examples used in Australia where the refs are mic'd up and you can hear the conversations. And what I find really frustrating is that the commentators will always say, Oh, the VAR booth is saying such and such to Mike Dean here. Yeah. So they can hear it. Why can't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. Like how it's, 
they let you hear it in America as well, and the, the way they use it in the MLS is great. This is what I don't get. I don't get why we have to have our own system. Why I would give the MLS or the or the A leagues, um, VAR, the people who set up VAR over there, the infrastructure wise, give them a ton of money, get them over here as consultants, show us how to use this thing, because right now and it's taking ridiculously long to look at screens and they're still getting it wrong and this is without fans in the stadium as well getting on their yeah, getting on geez. their backs don't, as soon as fans they claim are it's in, because of swearing they don't want to pick up swearing on the mic yeah but again if that happens it happens it's football var is also it's taking accountability away from the refs in, in some regard when they're on the pitch when you go back to the um FA Cup match with Newcastle where you had the the scene of events where Emil Smith Rose sent off because I could, I could maybe understand why the referee was duped by the fact that uh, there was the scream there but it never really looked like much more than dangling a toe out and he, he got his card out like he, he, he couldn't wait to do it and then he had to be told in his ear to go and have a look and then pull the red card and they obviously feel that they can make mistakes because someone else is going to rectify it for them rather than them having the accountability in their own ears to that, that that's exactly what happened yesterday I felt with the Werner penalty is that it looked as stonewall as the as it comes. Yeah, like the yeah. keeper comes flying out, Werner puts it one way, goes the other, gets clattered, and then the ref raves it away because I know for a fact that he's thought, well if I'm wrong, I'll get told that I'm wrong. But in in instances it depends then who's in the VAR booth. And the problem is if the VAR booth are thinking, I don't want to stitch my mate up here, which is exactly what everyone yeah. thought was happening earlier in the year or last season when it first came in, that, oh, well, he's made that decision. I don't want to make him look like a prat, so I'm going to just go along with it. Yeah. And then it gets, yeah, missed. Yeah. it gets missed completely. Do you think the cost to do these courses is part of the reason that we, we aren't getting new officials? Because we're essentially stuck with ones they have they're never kind of relieved of their positions we're essentially stuck with them until they choose to retire themselves and when you look at the officials that have come through Sean Massey is the obvious one I know a lot of people know her name obviously because she's a female and every decision was kind of accentuated but you see her now and you are usually confident and you hear said that when she puts her flag up it probably is going to be offside and she's pretty reliable there. So it does show that new officials can come through and do the job at a high standard. But I, I, I it think... costs you hundreds and nearly thousands of pounds to do some of these courses. And it probably, to work your way up, it's, it's not worth it by the time you get into the club no. and being a professional. So, so it's, it's funny, actually, because I'm friends with a ref that refs it a fairly decent standard locally, kind of like county-level Hellenic Prem. And the steps that he has to take just to get there is ridiculous because so I've asked him I said are you looking to make like even more of a career out of this he said that it just costs too much in yeah. the politics within refing in local FAs is ridiculous so you have to play like a political game to get nominated to be put forward for promotions and they don't give it to the good people they give it to their mates or whatever reason there's like corruption um, accusations and all sorts and that's why no one good is coming through because it's so difficult for grassroots refs just like football to come through the system at the FA and then it, even if they did get put forward they have to pay for the courses themselves until they get to 
a level of which the FA would then step in and do it for them. So yeah, even if you, you, any you, coaching, you, sorry, I was just about to say you're staking a few grand on something you're doing for pocket money at the weekends currently. So it's just you're never going to get any really good talented refs come through that way. It doesn't encourage anyone at all because, uh, as we know, no matter what we might tell ourselves when we're younger, not everyone is going to go and be at the top level as a footballer or an athlete in that position. But if you have enough passion for the game, then you, you could get to the top level and be a referee or whatever it is there. But even with coaching and things like that, if you go and look at any of the courses on the FA's website, there's no encouragement to do it because it costs an absolute fortune years back. Um, I was going to do, uh, I was going to start my coaching badges. I did it a bit for my Duke Vedder, but I liked it. And then partly just playing football manager, as you convince yourself that oh, I could do this, you know. Mm. But it's so off putting. I had to write to um, the local football club and ask them to use some of their budget and whether they'd be prepared to um, put me through it because you need to stake so much and there's no kind of way you can dangle your toe in with this and I, it's the same with refereeing as well you are quite literally banking on the fact that one you enjoy it and two that you're going to stick it out because you're paying such a fee from the jump that it's going to carry on down the line so it probably must put so many people off and that's probably why we aren't getting any younger officials come through because mm. you could just go and do something else No, agreed and this is the problem I think We've got all this infrastructure, and I've seen it firsthand. I've been to St George's Park about eight times now, and I've seen every conference room, and I've seen all the pitches, 4G pitches, five-side pitches, full-size pitches, everything. And there's so much at their disposal. There just isn't an excuse to be this inconsistent. And for other countries to get VAR so right, and for us to get it so wrong, there's just simply no excuse for it. It is so bad. And even in this country as well, I know rugby has more natural breaks in it, so it seems more seamless. But even so, the communications between the refs, the decisions are made within 30 seconds, so it doesn't matter how many breaks there are in rugby, because within 30 seconds, the ref is in constant uh, communication with the TMO and decisions made. And that is that. And you stick by it. And if they, if you feel that they've got it wrong, because you've heard the conversation, it almost kind of softens the blow. There's been plenty of times where I've turned around to my mates in the pub when I've been watching a Six Nations game and said, he's not going to fucking give this, is he? Oh, I can't believe he's not going to give it. What a fucking idiot. I can't believe he's not giving it. But then once that's done, because you've heard the way he's got to that, you forget about it. Well, you can sort of see their workings out rather exactly. than... Exactly. The and the fact that they, they're reluctant to do this shows they're basically trying to cover up that we're in that. Exactly. It's how it looks anyway, isn't it? And then in, exactly that. And in football, it's kind of like, oh, is this going to be a red? And every time that I hear there's a check going on now, and I hate that I do this for like the for whatever team we're against, I'll go, oh, I could be a red here. Oh, I could be a red. <laughs> be a red. Oh, amazing. He's down to fucking 10 players. It's going to be easy. And that's not what VAR's for. There's the amount of times that I see a shot go into the box and I see it ricochet at a really weird angle. And I'm like, fucking, we've got a penalty. Sounds, even though that is spooned out for a throw in. And it take the next minute, we've got a penalty. And I just, 
that's not what football's about. It's fucking shit. We've killed <laughs> our game. And one of the Villa game was mental, that handball. I've never seen a more blatant handball. Yeah. And then somehow I wasn't given. I mean, it is, it's weird. Like, I would give anything now to go back to watching a game where I can look I don't to know see if, if the line, linesman's the put his flag, flag up and I can just celebrate a goal. I get, we've had this sort of story that's come out today, obviously, and I don't doubt that maybe one person has sent a tweet or something where they say, Mike Dean receives death threats off the back of this, that. It's it's a very easy out for for him to say and deflect his poor decision-making and his desperation <laughs> to make himself the main it's thing. Fucking hell. Do you know, I, I know I what you mean, but I, I do find it interesting how we how adjust to certain people. It's all like, wow. Because oh, if you looked at the replies under the Sky Sports feeds, my word, it was sort of like, well, well, he did get quite a few wrong. So that's not really the point, lads. Well, no, you no, probably shouldn't not, but, get death threats. No, no, definitely not. But I just and the implication that he the way that the story has gone, it, he has gone to that, the police. Is the other thing? Yeah, no, I'm. I've he certainly had some tweets or whatever. My point is that it very quickly changes the story to being not this happened. How can we sort it to being the online thing this happening yeah that, that's I mean, it, we've but... all had things said to us all has things said to us on on the internet on, and it's just it's, it's not nice it, it, it's what happens and i just don't like that he's wriggled his way out of it yeah we're that... back doing the same thing because both that's... things can be dealt with can't they you can sort of make you can deal with people who are issuing death threats and you can deal with why mike dean is a shit breath him you don't, it doesn't have to be a choice podcast irritated me so much and they've got a lot to answer for because you did see the arrogance of him didn't you they took his ego up another level and he's been worse yeah, yeah for sure and them saying to him things like what's the most Mike Dean thing you've ever done you see things now and he doesn't have that split second now they look around and it's like he even acknowledged himself on that podcast didn't he that when he's on the pitch then he, he he's Mike Dean the character it's like, yeah it, it was kind told, of like, are you are you listening to yourself here, mate? You're told yeah, from a I, young age, aren't you? The best thing a ref can do is not be seen. Yeah. And that's quite I, obvious, isn't it? It's weird that they think, you know, no one's come to see you. I, mean, well, I, I is, thought it was ridiculous the, when Andy Gray was what? It was sort of John Moss, wasn't he? He was having a right rack because he had Mossy on his boots. And it's, <laughs> it is ridiculous, but at the same point, come on. <laughs> we knew He's what Mike Dean was about when it was Forest Green versus Tranmere and Tranmere was. <laughs> and he is literally the only guy stood on the railings giving it absolute stacks. Ridiculous, and, isn't it? Like everyone else is like clapping and like laughing and smiling. And he's there thinking, right, this is my moment. They're gonna see me stood on the rails at a League Two stadium, giving it absolutely large in the middle of Nailsworth. And like he knew that oh this will be everywhere. This will be all over the news. Premier League referee Mike Dean is amazing he's given it larger his lower league teams just won and i just saw it and i thought you fucking prick like <laughs> he just wanted his five minutes don't forget him yeah. celebrating that spurs goal <laughs> <laughs> that's so good <laughs> should we uh continue i don't know um jack alex the, the next poor call was going to be uh the players are right uh to be traded in 
American sports. And if you uh, are you sticking around for that, or are you uh, making a move before I carry on? Um, I'll probably shoot one off, mate. If that's all right with you. I mean, Sound. you. I mean, you, what you can do if you want, I can stick around and you can try to explain to me in layman's terms <laughs> what's going on. And I'll make so a new bit of judgment. So, have any have any of you seen the film? Well, I know Luke, you haven't. But have any of you seen Moneyball? Yeah, yeah. Good film, isn't it? So, I, like, obviously, that's baseball. So, I, I I see that how the players get traded in there. I assume we're just. Are you talking? Is something changed in terms of because it's it sounded like it was all coming from you know management make the decisions, but do pre- yeah. players now have the ability to trade themselves? No. So. What happens is you sign a contract with the team with a certain amount of years, certain amount of uh, dollars, and then the team has a commitment to pay that for you. And then say you want to move to another team, then another team has to agree to uh, cover that salary for the remainder of the contract. So it's not like in football, say, you can be on 350 grand a week like Ertzel was, and so doesn't have to find another team willing to pay him 350 grand a week they have to find a team willing to pay enough money that Arsenal will accept and then the wage is negotiable whereas if it was in say the NBA and he was at the Lakers on a three year deal for 200 million then he wants to be traded he has to find another team willing to cover that 200 million across the three years so it's down to the management and the management can trade you without your choice for the most part so you can be in LA one day and you can be sent to Minnesota the next and not have a say (laughs) in it and the debate is and the debate is whether that's fair on the players so no so what's happened is um, Deshaun Watson who plays uh, for the Texans he's come out and he said he's not happy with the management and he wants to be traded and usually in these circumstances, it's in the interest of all parties to say, we don't want a player that's not happy here. Now, what's the biggest package we can get in return, whether it's players, whether it's draft picks, whether it's whatever in return to, to make that happen. Um, the management of the Texans, they just got a new coach in who he's not happy with. And they're essentially putting their foot down saying, look, you're not going anywhere. Uh, Brett Favre came out and said uh, he was an ex-quarterback. And he didn't said, make himself look great here, did he? I don't think. No, he said, I'm kind of old school. I think, you know, you play, you get paid a ton of money to do a certain job and just do it and let the chips fall where they may. I think we make too much money to voice an opinion. I'm not saying he's wrong. Again, I think it's a different day and time. and It'll be interesting to see how the organisation handles it. So he's essentially saying, as you had a couple of years back, the shut up and dribble. Like, you're getting paid this much money you don't really have too much of a right to be complaining yeah. about where you're doing your work. I think that's an interesting point to make because how far do you, does it go? How far is it you're just a commodity, you are used for meat, especially in the NFL? I don't think it is at all. I mean, we can all leave our jobs if, if we want to. That's yeah, it, yeah. It, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's If they're saying, like, oh, well, you can't... Um, engineer a move somewhere else if someone else isn't willing to pay it i think everyone's got right to say no i don't want to go because <laughs> if they've got their family in, in one place and whatnot but again coming to like the like the con- concussion protocols that the nfl have and things like that that 
you are used for your body and you're used for the meat for entertainment. And then mm. when anything comes into like racial inequality, standing up for what you believe in, even like, like you said, wanting to not be moved without your permission, then it's like, no, you just got to shut up. We pay you a fuckload of money. You just do what you're told. Um, in all the kind of your basic workplace rights in most countries, just go out the window. I think if you look at it from that angle, then definitely people should be able to say, well, actually, I'm not going. I'm staying here. Because sorry, I was just going to say that if someone doesn't get on with someone, that's the one thing that would change in English football. If the manager was able to trade you to another team without your permission, the managers would still have all the power and it wouldn't be player power getting the managers sacked. So this, this, is, this, this, this sort of conversation could go off in lots of different directions. I mean, we've just had a massive debate. We're, we're, we've just had a massive debate on, you know, referees and how they're doing in the world of football. And we've drawn comparisons with uh, America and how they handle it. Uh, you would say that definitely on the state side of things, bar a few exceptions, um, players are a lot more they're a lot more uh how should i put this um they're, they're a lot more tame in the respect that there isn't as much ego there isn't as much diva about them that ultimately gives them control over management um, uh, here in america i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree with that completely i think there you get are a lot, lot of divas still in the nba and in the nfl yeah yeah, yeah but it, it's of a different nature i mean like you look at you you look at how players talk to referees in american sports versus how they talk to how, you know european football is you know how players handle that i think it's entirely different i mean it's it, like referees in the American sports, they're brilliant and forgettable at the same time because they're respected mm. and there's there's a there's a lot more there's a lot more control there. Um and I think when it comes down to that, it's the fact that the players are that they, they don't the players don't have as anywhere near as much play, power as a professional footballer. Um and that reflects in their their tameness when it comes to dealing with situations that they aren't happy with. Uh, so in a way, and ultimately, you would say that that could potentially translate into a better sporting, uh, better sporting experience for the viewers because I'd, you aren't waiting. I don't. Uh, yeah, go on. I, I think I'm going to disagree with that because I think it's not so much that the players are less diva-ish, it's the people that care less. In America, it's if you're good at sport, you're you're a god, and we'll forget about everything else. Like and so. Um, well, I won't say the name, but there's an alleged rapist playing in the Super Bowl last night. I know it's allegations, but there's. Substance. I'm glad you didn't say his name, Jack. But we'll yeah, give it away. Yeah, there was there was substance and, behind those allegations. Yeah, you can say his name. I mean, it's quite it's literally in, it's literally well, in the press. Antonio Brown. Yeah, well, there, there we go. And so I just didn't want him coming for me. I don't know what they're like. <laughs> I don't think you're his type, to be fair, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like in America, it, it, it's just so. Everything outside of the field is complete backseat. You could be accused rapist and go in playing the Super Bowl in the biggest game of football ever. I don't think it's the fact that they're less deaverish. I think it is just the fact that people care less about what happens. Well, uh, uh, well, well hold on. I, I, I don't think that's from the point here. No, yeah, we're, yeah, get, yeah. We're, we're getting away from the point. But I think, yeah, people have a right to be able to say that I'm not going, I'm not moving. Um especially 
I like the, the football transfer system in Europe, right, in, in the world where you two teams will negotiate a price and then you will do the personal details afterwards. There needs to be a differentiation, I feel, between a commercial deal and what's right for the person, for welfare. Um, and that's my opinion on it. <laughs> Well, I, I, I think Luke's. I think it's a temporary. It's a temporary spotlight on a situation which will automatically write itself, like it always has done, in the respect that, like Luke said, that it is in both parties' interests to let the player go eventually. I mean, if this, by the sounds of things, I don't know much about the story, but by the sound of the way that it's made headlines, is this player's kicking up quite a fuss about it, um, and he is. Quite the, the, it's come to the headlines because the ex-players come out and said that you don't really have a right to have an opinion because you've paid this much money. A player has requested trades during his own career. We, we, sh- we should add in. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the issue. But it's more just a case of, uh, do, they have, do, they have, do they have a right to kind of expect it to happen? Or that the, uh, I, I, they're human beings. Every player's got a right to voice their opinions. It, ultimately, what it comes down to is how they handle the situation. Uh, it's, but uh, yeah, I, so in that case, yeah, I would I would agree that every player's got a right to voice where they want to play their sport. Go on, TK. Yeah, I was I was going to say the thing with Deshaun Watson is he has gone about it the right way in terms of yeah. he's indicated, look, I would like a trade. He hasn't gone out and demanded, and it's getting increasingly towards look, I, I want to go. And the, the context being that the Texans are obviously terribly run, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, so he's thinking I should have something better around me than this shit, the shit show that you're currently producing. The The problem with it is, is I've always wondered this, the sort of the legality with, as to how you can do it. Cause like you said, we're obviously free to leave our jobs at any point as is pretty much everyone else outside yeah. of an American athlete, really. And, you know, um, so the, the legality around it, I've always thought it was, but it, it obviously is because they, they do it. The situation they're in now is kind of like if they let Watson do this, is it is that going to be the straw that comes back? Is that going to be suddenly the culture of the NFL changes? The NBA kind of has this little bit where the stars can kind of demand what they do. You saw that with Harden, for example. Well, Harden so, went about it in the complete wrong way. And then yeah, at the end, abs- people said, well, the end justified the means. Exactly. And that's very much like football over here, isn't it? Is in a player is just going to kick up a stink until he gets his move. And I guess from the NFL's point of view, they're probably worried of is this the whole culture of the league changes? Because it tends to be that you, you stick with one team. At the very least, maybe you go with another team at the end when the, the team no longer wants you. This, does this change the whole thing? As soon as things aren't going well for a player, he goes, right, I, I want to trade and I get out of it. The parallels I'll probably draw is with the, the UFC and with boxing is the situation the boxers have as a sort of worker is far more uh, desirable than the one the UFC has, isn't it? In terms of you have the freedom, you can make money, but as a product, the UFC is far better to watch because the structure of it means they're going to have better fights and they can run it. And the same with the NFL, the structure of that league and what they can do is, is kind of great as the viewer. But if you're a player in it, I can see why you'd want to break the mold. Yeah, I remember, I'm pretty sure J.J. Watt requested to be traded last year by the Texans and they just flat out said no, like he was going to go to the Steelers and play with his brother. And they just kind of turned it down. I think 
the, the the team has a right to say, so you've seen in some positions where the players ask to be traded and then because that happens and you get it where a player in football asks for that to happen and so the offer is going to be significantly less because they know they're, they're maybe the ones with the power because they know that he wants to be out. So the, the team has the right to say, look, you're our star man. They're offering a second round pick and yeah, I don't know, yeah, exactly. a kicker, then that doesn't meet what we're asking for, which essentially what was happening um, in a lot of these big scandals where the player wants out. For Messi wanted out, everyone wants Messi, but Barca can say, look, is anyone going to pay the 300 million that we think he's worth? And this could be the situation with Deshaun Watson, but if we start seeing teams come in with what you would deem to be an acceptable offer, and I'm not too sure what that is, whether it's another starting quarterback, whether it's a number of first-round picks or something along those lines, then you can say that both parties maybe need to see it, but it's probably going to go against him, the fact that he is handling it the right way. I mean, Harden didn't report for pre-season training and then was pictured during a pandemic in a strip club, <laughs> drinking, dancing with God knows who, then came back horrendously overweight when um, the preseason had gone, so he wasn't able to play properly. And Deshaun Watson isn't going to do that. For his character, from what we gather, that's not really in his nature. I think no. he will stick it out if need be. But you're in a tricky position when the person's saying, Look, it's not about money, it's, it's about the situation. You see a lot, and we spoke earlier about kind of player power, and we'll speak about Tom Brady shortly. But you see in basketball with LeBron, increasingly the star, the star players have influence as to the backroom decisions. And apparently he was kind of told, look, you're going to be consulted about where we move forward as a franchise with the new coach. They'd gone obviously beyond his back and done it without even consulting him. He's obviously not happy. Harsh for the new coach, I'm sure. But <laughs> for him, he's now stuck not knowing what to do next. I'd say they have a right. They have a right to be traded, certainly you need to come to a decision that suits everyone, but to just dig your, dig your heels in, I, I don't think that's going to end well. No, and I guess we're only asking for similar sort of situation we got with football over here, where the player has a right to ask for a move, but it doesn't mean they have a right to say, right, right here's where I'm going and you can't do anything about it. Because as you said, if they're not bringing to the table what you think he's worth, then there's a two-way, it's a two-way street, isn't it? You've both made a commitment. Yeah. We did say about death threats earlier and the way the narrative can change. You'd probably say the death threats, the unjustified means with Gerard and Chelsea. So sometimes that's just how things go. Yep. I said it's, it's, a, it's been a rough week. We're normally we're top undefeated on the death threats chart. The fact that <laughs> West Ham fans have sent for Mike Dean is nothing sacred for us anymore. What can we have? But if you actually look down down the years at the way death threats have been dished out in the Premier League, it is pretty routine, isn't it? It's kind of a scary. A lot of them either are by Chelsea fans or Chelsea have caused it to happen. When you look at them trying to get Rooney, you look at them trying to get Gerrard, and <laughs> you look at them trying to get rid of Costa. It's and, uh, and the what are we uh, getting the blame for this? <laughs> well, 
really because I, I I didn't think you'd be here, so you wouldn't have been able to defend them. <laughs> <laughs> but if we move on to the Super Bowl, um, TK d- d- depressing night, rough weekend yeah. <laughs> to start to the year. To be honest. Brady does what Brady does, I guess. I was going to say, I mean, having watched the NFL since probably about 2008, 2009-ish, I've always been a massive Brady fan, obviously, because it's one of those that if you're... This has switched. It was Patriots fan last week. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And that's... I was a a Brady fan when he was at the Patriots. That's the whole reason why... (laughs) That's He's, the done the He's done that's the Cap Major move. That's, that's the only reason why I wanted the Bucks to win. I don't actually support the Bucks or I have any interest in the Bucks. I have an interest in Tom Brady because he was the one that I always kind of looked at when I was watching the NFL. When I used to stay up late and watch it on the highlight shows when I was a kid. And to see someone that good do break so many records, that's your kind of gravitational pull. Um... But yeah, last night was interesting because as an as a neutral kind of outsider looking into this, <laughs> there was a lot of odd calls. And like by the book, yeah, they're right. But you know for a fact that the Bucks were making exactly the same plays, making the exact same yeah. fouls, and they were not getting pulled up for it. And that's why it wasn't highlighted. Because they weren't getting pulled up for it and Kansas were. So it from it smelt fishy from an outsider. There was just so many. And it always seemed to be the tipping point on a like short of a first down on a tip for Brady, that Brady threw. That interception that was way. killer. Yeah, exactly. And that broke the momentum for everything. So the field goal one sticks out of my mind as well. But what else is he supposed to do in that situation? He's got no, to, that, uh, to be fair, that one I did think was just stupidity on the on the place of the Chiefs were that's pretty uh down the line the call of uh jumping early Mm. as as minuscule as it is it's the holding calls which I mean we spoke about consistency and that's one that then there is really no consistency in the holding calls because you see something's given and then you get games like the the Packers against the Bucks where you're letting it fly all game and then it gets to the end of the game and they just kind of they pull you up on it. So, what I found interesting as well is they zoomed in on Brady, and he was doing the exact signal for holding, the kind of hold, clenching the wrist, and you could see him visibly say, "Yeah, holding," nodding in his head, before the refs even said it. It's almost like he was signalling to one of the refs mm. that he's a real I piece mean, of work. He doesn't even look to go off the pitch. He's like, "Look, I know the call's fucking coming, so I ain't yeah. moving." Yeah. Exactly. And I don't know if that's either he's been around the block for the last 20 years, so he knows the game for inside sure. out. Yeah. Or if it's a case of, like, I'm going to just pressure him into a decision here. Then <laughs> it was just, it was, in, it was interesting. I mean, if you dissected them all by the letter of the law, I know for a fact that most of them would stand up. But it's just the fact that the Bucks were doing exactly the same thing and it just was completely overlooked. I don't think Mahomes could really have done much more. That 
if he'd made that pass, well, I mean, he did make the pass. If they'd actually caught that pass where he's um, like in midair and launched it, how can you even throw it that far with literally no real wind back of your arm? Yeah, it's it's incredible. And this has kind of always been my thing with Brady. I never got the fascination with Brady because I, I, I don't know. I don't find it. Maybe I'm being the classic uh, British loser. I never found the guy who won every time overly fascinating. But the guy who obviously has all the talent like Mahomes, but just can't get it done. Same thing with Rodgers. I find that such a more sort of compelling story. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. And I think that, that Mahomes... I just never but... got people's fascination with Mahomes. Is that why you're a big was... Letizia fan? <laughs> so that's maybe that that's maybe that's that's maybe part of his demeanor of what makes Tom Brady the great successful success that he is in the respect that he is a bit I, I what I kind of read in what to what you said there was he's a bit boring yeah yeah um, I was about to say that that, that translates into the composure in his performances I mean like Luke uh, Luke uh, told me to have a look at a video of him post Matt uh, post uh, post game yesterday um and um of him in the change rooms packing up and uh packing up in the change rooms like it's another day at the office where the other guys are going mental and tra- uh, celebrating you know it's that it it's the ability to he he's at that level now in his sporting career where it probably is he he has that level of composure to do, to just be able to it's almost like a assured an assured certainty in his in his game and authority in the match. He he just can. He's probably had that for the last live. ten years. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a one not man team. He did get a fair bit of help. This this yeah. is my yeah. thing as well. Yeah, no. Mahomes had, for example, you, could, you know, if he has the same team, what what's the outcome? You know. It's, it's every every Brady where you said at the top of this thing that Brady did what Brady does. Yeah, he did. He played quite well. Everyone around him played excellently. The officials helped him out, and he gets every bit of credit. I just <laughs> and it blows my fucking mind every it, time. That's that's the one thing I think it's people calling the best him. athlete ever. I mean, fuck's sake! I mean, the bloke isn't. He's anyone yeah, on the that, team that, sport is is in the, already in a bit of trouble, but he's not better than you know like Michael Jordan, LeBron, is he? For God's sake. No. No, no ridiculous. Yeah, but that—that's sorry. What I'm what I'm trying to say with him is it's it's not his individual sporting ability. It's maybe his 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 um his his influence over the team in terms yeah, of I, the composure. Sure. It's like it's like it's like it's like a great leader in history. You know, they could have been. Uh, I'll, I'll go off on a complete tangent here and say, let's go on it. So, so being a bit of a history buff, so uh, so Alexander the Great, he w- went into most of his battles completely outnumbered uh, by absolute masses. But the thing that won in the battle was that his men believed that they were winning and the opposing forces, right. even though at now, any point, at any at any point they could have easily turned it round and just realized that they were they weren't gonna lose, they just sort of caved. And he right, has right, that right, right. Gonna... when you're in a squad with Tom Brady, you you I, I I think he probably brings that level of composure to the squad. And it's not even necessarily something he goes out of his way to try and do. It's just that's the entourage he automatically comes with now. You get you you you've got Tom Brady in the Super Bowl final in your in the Super Bowl in your team 
you feel a lot more comfortable, no, and that yeah. and that clears your head a lot more. You're, you're oh. absolutely right. His and his his influence and his leadership can't really be measured like tangibly. It's not like the numbers or anything. You can't put a price on what he brings in that respect. The problem with your example is Brady goes into every battle with a, with an army that's fucking loaded, and the other ones are cowering in the corner, and yet it's made out like. Oh my God, Brady did this and he had, I don't know, his eyes covered and an arm tied behind his back <laughs> and he didn't have a broken yeah. leg, but somehow yeah, yeah. he must have the strength to do it yeah, again. The, the, I, do, the, I do find that's the same with a lot of American sports, though, is that the, especially in American football, the quarterback gets all of the glory. It's not about the wide receivers' runs, it's not about their catches, it's not about um, running backs. like. And to a large extent, that's fair because it's, it's by far and away the most. Pos- important position in that sport and probably in any sport but it's, it's just the weighting in which the, the credit is given out is always incredible it's, it's, well, it's, the, the, same, being... it's the same thing though with like Messi for example when he scores a ridiculous goal that only Messi scores it's the commentators like well it's that guy it's Messi again whereas when it's like a worldy from someone else no one really cares it's like wow what a goal and then that's it the only yeah the only thing I will say Messi and Ronaldo have kind of broken the mould a little bit with that. Individuals do get credit, but for example, when you talk about the Champions Leagues that Messi's won, you're talking about great Barcelona teams. You're never pinning it. Whereas we're talking Brady's got seven rings, we're talking Barcelona won the Champions League. We're not saying, oh, look at the the one that Messi won on his own. So there's a little bit more spread of the credit. That's being put forward is that the Buccaneers were 7-9 and last year. They didn't qualify for the playoffs. And then Yesterday, every point that was put up in the game was put up by a player that was brought in by Brady. Brady, the GM, as they were saying, is had just as good of a year as Brady, the probably a better year than Brady, the player. And so every point that was put on the board was put up by someone that Brady brought in to play with him in the last year. So they were stacked in enough positions before he came in. I don't think it was like he was signing for, uh, say, the Jags or someone like that. He wasn't signing no, for the Jets. No. They were positioned well for him to come into. And better and then, than the Patriots were. They yeah. were better team ready to go than the Patriots were. But it's been, the way it's construed, you thought he would have gone from, I don't know, it's like he's gone from Man City to fucking Everton and won the league. Well, guys like Fournette, Antonio through. Brown and this, nobody really wanted to touch those guys because of the baggage attached to them. Whereas... And, and that's probably where he deserves huge credit for the fact that he brought him in, but also probably how with his leadership and influence is why they stayed on straight and narrow and he's got into a Super Bowl, isn't it? So, mm. And I'm not sure any other quarterback probably could have done that. I'm not sure a lot of the quarterback, particularly Antonio Brown, the reputation there, I don't think many quarterbacks would have wanted him as no, part of that. No, but it's, it shows the sort of level of respect and regard that Brady has held in that someone like him well before you like look at the way. Green Bay could have done with another kind of elite wide receiver and then all the messages from uh, that locker room were like absolutely no chance we're going near the guy not a chance uh, and in all honesty I think that would have been a car crash anyway yeah. <laughs> that guy in Green Bay is, is a good uh, is a happy marriage no well what I was going to ask as well is that obviously last chance you fans John Franklin III was he in the roster for last night's game I don't Just- watch it Oh, yeah, I don't Did you ever seen Last Chance Year? Sean's your man for that. Definitely worth a watch. So I was trying to Google quick to find out for you, but. 
Yes, essentially, he's the only one from last time's year apart from Dakota Allen. I think he plays for the... Who does he play for? Texans, maybe? I don't know. Um, he the didn't appear in the Super Bowl. Uh, it says, Franklin did not appear in the Super Bowl and went on injured reserve in August. Uh, right. So, but technically, he's part of the roster. He's getting a ring. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think looking back on Tom Brady's career, I think is this his last season? Is this the no? Last he's going to keep because this is what I'm thinking. I'm just you look back on it, and he is just synonymous with the Super Bowl. Uh, it's the amount he's lost and still has seven championship rings, which is just he's astounding. been to ten, he's won seven, yeah. But the fact that he could have had he could be sat there with ten rings. Which is just unheard of. He probably will by the time he's done, Christ. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Uh... I think like the interesting thing with watching Brady and the fascination with watching him as a kid was the big plays, the long plays, the plays that you tune in to see. I never tune in to see a nine-yard game from a running back. I just, I'd never, that's not the reason why I watch it. I watch it to see... 35-yard pass completions in... You wouldn't have enjoyed last night's Super Bowl then, even as a Brady fan. Thought no. I was doing all the work. Yeah, no, it wasn't... It wasn't vintage, I have to say, but got the job done. I think they knew... They didn't have to risk anything, did they? I mean, why are they the going to have, have the ball in the air when they were dominating him so much? The thing with Brady that differentiates him from the other elite quarterbacks in the league is mainly that he's not taken for granted. Having him there, he does seem to have a certain demand, at least, or at least he's respected enough by the organisations that they will go out and get the players for him. And you look at your Rogers, you look at your Mahomes, and you look at some of the players, there are some quite glaring holes there. And Russell Wilson's been a victim of this as well. But Yeah, for sure. Because he's so good, these organisations think that they can sidestep and not put the money up and not go out and make the hard hard decisions to get these stacks around them so mm. Brady no. went in yesterday and it, it, he could have he could have thrown several interceptions and then the defence is good enough to ensure that the other team can't score down the other end or mm. his running and game can not be there and his wide receivers can be making the moves and, and he's still got the MVP yeah yeah that was mental him getting that I thought it was going to be Gronk or uh, Fournette probably but there we go Anything else to add before I uh, wrap this up? All good. I'll ask uh, TK and uh, Alex, as I always do, uh, Inceptioning is never back down this week to uh, Juggernaut Films. Which do you prefer? Do you want to go first, TK? Yeah, go on. That really is a style match, isn't it? I'll, I'll roll with Inception. Wow, the disrespect. <laughs> I uh, I kind of like the Arteta Mourinho debate really. Uh, not as clear cut. Not as clear cut. Never back down is very close to charming me. Um, but I will go with uh, I will go with Inception. Well, I think it could be one of those episodes because I don't think Keenan likes either of them. So <laughs> some of my favourite episodes. But Amber Heard hasn't Amber Heard hasn't aged well. I mean, she's she's aged well, just her character. <laughs> you know what I meant. You know what I meant. <laughs> we'll be talking about her on Thursday, I'm sure. But thank you again for listening. 
Well, Black Friday. Goodbye. <laughs>